in a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries. One group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Dennis Matouche. Jeff Mazuka. Each week, we take a look back at one movie that is reaching that 30-year milestone. Whether you love seeing these films in the theater or enjoying them for the first time at home, we invite you to join us this year as we travel back in time to 1986. I am your host, John Reed, and you're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. back again whether you wanted us to be or not we are back um We're here back. we are one of us is in your house right now that's creepy but true there's make, a movie about that wasn't there makes a little more fun there's a lot of movies about that somebody's house yeah i feel like about there's a lot of movies about that yeah but about a podcast that well never mind forget it i don't know as far as i know there's no movies about creepy podcasts well we could be the first. So we could be the Dennis is always saying people steal his ideas for screenplays. So you know, <laughs> let's do it. It's now is the time. Let's let's get this done. Mm-hmm. That time is now. All right. Well, we are. You know what? I oddly enough, we are all the way. This kind of went fast. We are at the end of our month of sports movies. So Bam. this I, this episode's coming out end of May. And this is the last of our sports movies. And then it feels like it just zipped on by. It, it sure did. Yeah. It's it's like it was just yesterday that we were talking about uh, Karate Kid Part 2 and uh, Captain America and Hoosiers. and. Where, where is this month gone? I've no clue. No clue. What month are we in? On a lighter note, only just over a week of school left. <sighs> Thank you. Oh, that's a good thing. Good grief. I don't know. Sometimes I argue that that I would like it to be like the school. When I went in when I went to school in England, we had um it was almost all year round. We had a one month summer break, but we also got a month off um from mid December to mid January. And we got I want to say it was the entire month of April. It was either March or April, or from mid-March to mid-April, whatever it was. It was around about Easter time. You got an entire month off for spring break. So you had your, you kind of had your three months, but they were thrown throughout the year. And I, I kind of liked it that way. Well, and that's kind of how the, the year-round school system is set up. Yeah. When people hear year-round school, they think, you know, every day for 12 months. Yeah, no. You still get the same amount of time off. Like you said, it's just broken up a little bit differently. Yeah, if it was every day for 12 months, we have that. It's called the the prison system. And it probably feels much the same way. (laughs) All right. Well, this time around, we are to... So the last of our sports movies. So a little moment of silence or quietness here coming to an end. Um, The last of our sports movies is going to be The Color of Money. What is green? you you apparently are mentally five years old because when Nora asked me today, she's like, "What do you do? What are you doing tonight? Why are you starting? Why are you doing the podcast earlier?" And I said, "Well, because we're we're going to be talking a couple of movies, and and one of them is the Karate Kid. Oh, can I watch that? It's got kids in it. I'm like, no, you can't really watch that one. I'm like, what's the other one? It's called The Color of Money. She's like, oh, that's easy. It's green. 
Um, yes. Yeah, man. Okay, so I, I, I did actually, I, I got this just now. So this is breaking news. Now, granted, people are not going to hear this for a while, but this is breaking news right now. Um, I just got a text message from one of the teachers that we teach with, uh, her husband listened to our podcast. And so this is, so shout out to Jen Greenwell. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Jen. Jenny. Uh, this is, uh, she just texted me this, uh, this is from her husband, Greg. Um, hi Greg. Who knows a little something about the basketball world. Hey, wait, I just got this text too. Did you get this too? Yeah. Read this man. We just Go for it. Yeah, it says, uh, your review of Hoosiers was outstanding. You have to, he says, you have to tell them the barbershop type stuff really happens. When my dad coached in Indiana, the town had a barbershop and a restaurant where they, um, I will change the word to complained about my dad all the time. Uh, We never went there. We never went there. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's not awesome, but it's, it's, it's nice to know that that wasn't just made up. And I figured it probably wasn't made up. Yeah. Yeah, there's a so so thank you. Thank you, Greg, for the uh, the the feedback there. There's a really great uh, there's a comic book that's out right now that I really like. And it it, uh, deals with football and uh, kind of a corrupt football coach um, running this town almost as if he's like a a mob boss. And actually, his name is boss. Um, It's called Southern Bastards. And it is it takes place. I think it's in Alabama. Pretty sure it's Alabama. And the place they go to is the local barbecue restaurant. Yeah. So whenever people want to complain about the coach, they go to the local barbecue restaurant and they all sit around, they eat barbecue and they complain about the coach or they complain about something else. But that's like the local small town meeting place. And it just so happened that in Hoosiers, it was the barbershop. Wow. So that's awesome. I cannot, I cannot do a gig like that, man. No. I think I scored a bas. I was a scorekeeper for a basketball game one time at, at the middle school, and God, if you don't, if you don't, if you make tiny mistakes, tiny mistakes. I think that was the first time I ever did it. I made a couple of tiny mistakes within the first few minutes, and there were parents just shouting and yelling. And I'm like, nope, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, I, I don't care about the extra money this is bringing in. I, I'll go do something else. I'll run chess club because nobody shouts at chess club. Yeah, at least so far. Nobody shows up to chess club. Well, there was that one kid. And I beg to differ. When I turned it into movie and chess club, then a whole three people showed up. That that, that is true. I I stopped into some of those, Mm -hmm. mostly for the movies. Mostly for the movies. I think that's why the kids were there, too. And then I felt better because they were distracted by the movie, and I won easily. All right, so just very, very quickly, as we do every time, we spoil the events of all the movies we talk about. So if you have not seen The Color of Money, then go away. Come back, uh, unless you don't care, and then you can take a listen and, and see if you like it or not, and I'll let you know whether you should go watch the movie. Uh, but we do spoil it, and sometimes we talk about other movies too, so just keep in mind that we may bring up other movies and, and talk about things that uh, may give away certain certain plot points and stuff like that. We'll try not to do that for like really new movies like, well, we've already, you know, last week was Captain America, so if you listen to that, you already know we gave away a whole bunch of stuff, but... Um, you know, we'll, we'll try not to give away brand new stuff, but if it's something that's been out for 30 years, then you just kind of need to get yourself in gear and go watch it because right. it's probably good. That's right. All right. Uh, and if you haven't lately, uh, go ahead and head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. We just we would like to know how you are enjoying the podcast, if there's anything that you'd like us to be doing differently. Um, if you think that Pat's voice is really annoying, um, you can leave us a review and let us know that. 
<laughs> like that. Exactly that right there. That's that's right. going to bring in all the new listeners. We should have a we should have a podcast where we all find the most annoying voice we can. We could we could just, we could do a helium podcast. We could just all suck in a whole bunch of helium and then and then record. Yeah. Let's do that when we get to um, Big Top Pee Wee. Yeah. Or there's got to okay. be there's got to be another cartoon movie coming up in not too long that we'll do. Maybe for Howard the Duck, we should do that for Howard the Duck. I still think my okay. Well, I'm I'm digressing rapidly, so mm-hmm. I'm just gonna stay here quietly. Okay. All right. Well, as you can probably hear, I am joined by my co-hosts, uh, Pat. There he is. Hey, hey. There we go. Those of you listening, um, a, a thumbs up doesn't usually work with an audio medium, but Pat's going to try it anyway. I just realized that. He is a, he, he's a music man, so you know, he's, he's all about the audio. He's a what? He's a, what? He's a music man, and he plays clarinets. Anyway. There you go. No, nobody? Music man? And the, you know, I, I like it. Uh, 76 trombones in the something. There you go. And his musical partner in crime, Jeff Mazuka. Hey, hey. All righty. So this time around, we are taking a look at The Color of Money, um, which Jeff won 27 points for calling out. It is green, but that doesn't have anything to do with the movie. That's okay. You're still a winner in my book, Jeff. Hey, well, I'm, that's... Um, actually, tell me more about your book, because I, I don't know if I want to be a winner within it. Well, I, I can't talk about it. I don't talk about things until I'm done writing them. So it'll be a while. Um, you'll find out. It's It's kind of a mystery time travel horror uh high school teen drama thing is that a car chase uh it's got a horse chase with chariots as in somebody's chasing a horse it's it's kind of a it's it's like a cross between like a a days of thunder ben-hur um great escape kind of thing I'm trying to visualize all this as a movie. Actually, <laughs> no, it's don't don't do it. It'll, I, I it'll, just don't think it could ever happen. No, it, it'll make your head hurt. All right, so but I don't care. Podcast. No, I Jeff, I don't care what anybody else says about you. I I think you're an okay guy. Why don't you just tell all those other people to shut up? I will. I do every single day. Wait, that comes up every day? No, never mind. Um, So anyway, The Color of Money, that was released on October 17th, 1986. Uh, It was rated R. Uh, The director for this one was a uh, little-known kind of uh, indie film guy named Martin Scorsese. Um, He did a movie called Taxi Driver. Really boring. This guy that drives around in a taxi all day. I hear he's uh, doing a sequel now called Uber Driver. Um, And actually, I would watch that. That, would, that actually wouldn't be a bad remake, Uber Driver. Um, ooh, and then the political rally could be a Trump rally. Oh, my God. Oh, let's get it done. Make this movie. Dennis, write the screenplay. Dennis? He's not here. Okay. He's working on the screenplay. He's working on the screenplay right now. All right, so Martin Scorsese did Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, The Last Temptation of Christ, Goodfellas, The Wolf of Wall Street, and there's a whole bunch of others in there, too. Uh, producers for this one are Irving Axelrad, um, who I believe died in 1998, uh, produced a movie called Flicks along with this one. Uh, Barbara Defina did Goodfellas, Casino, and Hugo. The writers for this one, the novel that this is based off of, was written by Walter Tevis. Uh, he wrote the novel The Hustler, uh, The Color of Money, and the novel that the movie The Man Who Fell to Earth was based off of. Uh, Richard Pratt, that was a movie with uh, David Bowie. Very, very strange movie. 
I don't don't remember why I watched it, but I think maybe my dad told me about it, so I went and found it somewhere when I was in college. Uh, Richard Price did the screenplay. He also did the screenplays for Ransom, the 2000 remake of Shaft, and Freedom Land. Music was done by Robbie Robertson, who also did the music for Raging Bull, Scrooged, Wolf of Wall Street. The budget on this puppy was $13.8 million. That's an expensive puppy. Uh, the box office in this one was $52.2 million. Our cast of characters here. Paul Newman, who died in 2008, played Fast Eddie Felson. He was in Cool Hand Luke, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and The Sting. Tom Cruise played Vincent Loria. He was in The Outsiders, Risky Business, Legend, Top Gun, Rain Man, Jerry Maguire, Mission Impossible, and pretty much everything else you've ever seen for the last 30 years. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio played Carmen, and she was in Scarface, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, uh, the TV show Law & Order Criminal Intent, and the current TV show Limitless. Helen Shaver played Janelle. She was in The Craft and Tremors 2. John Turturro played Julian. He was in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Transformers, and Barton Fink. Bill Cobbs played Orvis. He was in The Bodyguard, The Hudsucker Proxy, Night at the Museum. And Forrest Whitaker played Amos. He was in Last King of Scotland, Good Morning Vietnam, and Platoon. Rotten Tomatoes. Critics gave this one a 90%. Audience gave it a 73%. Uh, Ebert gave this one a two and a half stars, and he said, If this movie had been directed by someone else, I might have thought differently about it because I might not have expected so much. But The Color of Money is directed by Martin Scorsese, the most exciting American director now working, and it is not an exciting film. It doesn't have the electricity, the wound-up tension of his best work, and as a result, I was too aware of the story marching by. Siskel gave this movie a thumbs down, and he compared this movie with The Karate Kid and said that the plots were very similar. What? Cinem What's that? I said, what? He said it was like, what? They Both of them kind of compared it to The Karate Kid. They said it was a story of uh, an old man taking on a young, uh, you know, talented protege, and there was you know, the romance involved. So, I mean, I guess if you're looking at the formula of it, then sure, it's like the Karate Kid, but then it's have also they, like... Have we do these guys, like, do recreational drugs before reviewing, reviewing movies? I mean, is that common? I mean, okay, I'm sorry. I'm just going to stay over back in my corner of cyberspace. I don't know. It's possible. Let me go get my Ouija board, and I'll ask both of them if they did recreational drugs in the 80s. Well, the first guy, what was the first guy's? Cisco? That was Ebert. That was Ebert. Okay. All right. You know what? I'm getting into the intro. I'm all going right. back. I'm quiet. That's all right. I'm muting right. myself. Okay. Uh, so cinema score, when people leave the theater, they are polled. Uh, how did you like this? Uh, cinema score, people gave it a B minus. There were some awards for this one. Uh, best actor in a leading role uh, was won by Paul Newman. Um, and then it was nominated for Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, uh, Best Writing uh, Screenplay for Richard Price, and Best Art Direction. Um, it was nominated for some Golden Globes. Um, let's see, nominated or got um, in a couple of other awards categories. It got second or third place for like Best Actor uh, or Top Ten Films of the Year, things like that. Um, National Board of Review, Paul, Paul Newman won Best Actor. Um, some of the things related to that, I've heard or I've read some places that say even though this may not necessarily have been his best role, some people were saying that he was given the Oscar for this one because he was getting older and some people have called this one a pity Oscar. You know, I don't know about that, but I, I know that that will happen from time to time where you've got an older person who, you know, maybe hasn't won an Oscar yet or, 
You know, it's it's been a while, and and they give it to him for a movie, even if that movie wasn't that's, their best performance. That's, that's how John Wayne got his Oscar. Yeah. So this time around, uh, Fast Eddie Felson teaches a cocky but immensely talented protege the ropes of pool hustling, which in turn inspires him to make an unlikely comeback himself. Paul Newman, Tom Cruise, in a Martin Scorsese picture. He's got the eye, he's got the stroke, he's got the fling. Vincent's the best. We got a racehorse here, a thoroughbred. You make him feel good, I teach him how to run. I'm not your daddy, I'm not your boyfriend, so don't be playing games with me. I'm your partner. I love this. I made money. I lost money. I got half of me that says I got a hold of the best thing that I ever seen, and half of me that says it just ain't worth it. Why'd you take a walk? 500 bucks says you choke right now. You used me. Yes, I did. I'm gonna leave. This is Fast Eddie Felson. Who the hell are you? 25 years ago, I won my share of medals. It was over for me before it really got started. I'm hungry again. See some heavy legend action. I won his best game. You want my game? You couldn't deal with my game, Jack. You're outmanned. I'm going to beat him, you know. What makes you so sure? Touchstone Pictures presents... You smell what I smell? Smoke? Money. The Color of Money. Tom Cruise did all of his own trick shots for the film, uh, except one shot where he had to jump over two of the balls to sing another one. Um, and Scorsese, I guess, said that he would have let Tom Cruise learn the shot, um, but it was going to take about, a, I think, like a couple extra days of practice for that. And he said, no, that's going to, you know, that's going to slow us down. It's going to cost us money to not be filming for those two days while you learn this shot. So we're just going to let the professional guys do it. So that was the only shot in the movie that Tom Cruise did not do himself. Um, one of the other ones that I thought was kind of funny, because uh, I used to play this game a lot, is that um, when this movie came out in theaters, um, the uh, some of the guys who were working for a software company were trying to create a, a new video game. They were working on a video game and they were watching this movie and they were watching the scene where Tom Cruise walks into one of the pool halls and a guy sees his case and he says, uh, what's that you're carrying? And his answer, he kind of looks up and he smiles and he says, doom. So the guys who created the doom video game got the name for their video game from that scene in this movie. Um, let's see. Um, this one, you know, what? I did not realize that this movie, and I've never seen uh, The Hustler, so I did not realize that this was kind of a sequel to The Hustler. So now I'm kind of interested to go back and watch that one. Yeah. Have either of you guys seen The Hustler? I don't know if I have or not. Okay. I want to say I have, but I could just be dreaming. Okay. Yeah, I think I've... Um... 
Yeah, I, I, I ditto Jeff's comments. Uh, both of yours. I mean, it's like after he reading this, it's like, yeah, I, I want to go see The Hustler, but I think I've probably seen bits and pieces on TV, but not enough to, you know, to make a lasting impression. Yeah. Yeah, there was uh, a couple things about just this whole idea of like the the pool and the trick shots and all that stuff. When I was in college, um, and I'm I'm blanking out on what the guy's name was, but there was a um, one of the top trick shot guys in the country came to University of Illinois while I was there, and I sat down with him after he did his. Um, I talked to him for a little bit before he did his show in the student union at U of I, and then I talked to him a little bit afterwards. Um, and interviewed him for the school newspaper and just the amount of amazing to me that Tom Cruise could do this. Um, just the amount of training and time and, and just practice that these guys would have to go through to make these shots was crazy. And then to watch when I watched this guy do it, um, that would have been around about probably 2000, 2001, um, just crazy shots. And some of the ones you know, like the same type of shots they did from this movie. Mm hmm. So the fact that Tom Cruise could do all that stuff himself, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad he wasn't believable as a pool player. Yeah. Yeah. He was a little, I, he was, he was the least interesting. And I, I think that was probably the, the point of this. He was the least interesting part of this movie to me. Um, that obviously I think this is supposed to, you know, for the younger generation, it, it's got your Tom Cruise in it, so you can you can have some kind of a connection to this movie. But as it gets going, you you really do get the sense that no, this movie is really all about Paul Newman and his character. Mm -hmm. um, also, interesting enough, was uh, some of this was filmed in Chicago, and I think uh, did Bo? I think Bo sent me a list of some of the locations where they filmed. Um, so we are low, if you're listening to this and you're not from Chicago, this may not be as interesting to you, but we are from Chicago and anybody that's listening, uh, we've got quite a few listeners from Illinois. So, um, some of the stuff in here, um, one of the pool halls when Eddie, uh, when fast Eddie first meets Vincent, it's at Fitzgerald's nightclub, uh, which I guess is in Berwyn, Illinois. Um, Berwyn. Child World, uh, that castle. Okay, now I, I got to look this up. I didn't get a chance to look it up, but I need to look it up. Do you guys remember when there were... Uh, Bo emailed me and said he did remember when there was one of these... In the movie, it was called Child World, and it was a toy store that looked like a castle. Heck yeah, it was. Panda was the Child World animal. Yeah. Toys, Toys R Us had the trap. Child World had a panda. Was it called Child World? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I, for some reason, that that name does not seem familiar to me. But knowing, but a, a toy store that looks like a castle, I can vividly remember that from childhood. Yeah, no, Bo was absolutely right. Okay, yeah, he said here, um, uh, yeah, toy stores that were in the castle buildings. Child World was the name in the movie, and he remembered loving it as a kid. Uh, he said that there was one in uh, Vernon Hills, which is the town that we all work in. Uh, he said there was one in Vernon Hills and one in Waukegan back in the day. So, hmm. yeah, I just, I remember that being like the only competitor to Toys R Us. When I lived down in Texas, it was like the only other competitor to Toys R Us. And we didn't go there much because my aunt um, worked at Toys R Us at the time. So we spent most of our time at Toys R Us. But every once in a while we were traders and we snuck over there. 
since then she's told us it's okay. She has no love lost for Toys R Us. So <laughs> she forgives you. Oh, oh yeah. Um, yeah, but a lot of the pool halls, uh, like in Fullerton Avenue in Chicago, uh, a lot of the pool halls were downtown Chicago locations. Um, yeah, Cottage Grove, Lincoln Avenue, a whole bunch of them. So a lot of Chicago locations. So if you are from around Chicago, if you're uh, from near Chicago, a little bit like we are, we're, we're up in the suburbs, but uh, there are plenty of Chicago locations, and and apparently some of them still standing, but some have been remodeled, so they won't necessarily look the same if you go searching for this. Um, but if you want to, if you want to find out more about this, the link that Bo sent me was a website called www.itsfilmedthere.com, and you can search for um, movie titles and see where they were filmed, and they had uh, filming locations. And they mentioned like what time in the movie if you wanted to fast forward real quick to a time spot in the movie and take a look at that location, then you can go, they have the address of where you can kind of track down where that is. So yeah, that was kind of cool. Cool. Alrighty. So, um, so tell me a little bit about uh, when was the first time you saw this one? And I will, I'll just jump in real quick first. This was the first time I saw this movie was I had never, I had never seen this movie before uh, watching it just a few days ago. First time. First time for you, Pat? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. It's um, I think just this past weekend. So, what about you, Jeff? Uh, I first saw this when I was in college. Oh, okay. And I remember liking it enough to where, yeah, I think after we watched it, we went over to the pool hall on campus and just started playing lots of nine ball and. Pretending we were as good. It's always fun to do. That was this movie did make me want to break out. We do have a kind of a, a little fold up um, portable. It's not even a pool table. What's that? You have a balabushka? No, um, we've got uh, it's a snooker table. We actually bought it. Uh, my dad bought it in England. And so it's a little bit of a it's a different size from a pool table. Um but we do have, I think we have both sets. I think we have a snooker set and we have a pool set and it's sitting out in our, we've got a kind of a workshop room behind our house. It's been sitting out there, not set up for a couple of years now. And watching this movie, uh, Sharon turned to me at the end. She's like, you want to go set that up now, don't you? Yeah, I, I kind of do. <laughs> yeah, it does. It is one of those movies that even if you don't play that sport, by the time you're done watching it, whether you, whether you like the movie or not, it kind of makes you want to go get a pool table and start playing. Right. Mm -hmm. So even if, you know, even if it's not the best movie in the world, and I, and I did like it, so I'm not saying that to say I didn't like the movie. Um, you know, even if it's not the best movie you've ever seen, it's still one of those. It's like, mm, yeah, no, I can, I could totally go play pool now. It's like yeah. playing poker after you watch Maverick. Right. Yeah. So I, what? So what? Very what, early in watching this yeah. movie, I thought, I mean, and I know they're completely unrelated, other than John Turturro. But I, I thought of the movie Rounders for the exactly the reason that, oh, yeah. John, you were saying is that when I watch that movie, like I have no interest in playing cards and all that, but it just made card playing look cool. And just, you know, people traveling around, going to different locations and, you know, getting into these backroom games and people that know all the angles and, and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So what is, uh, so Jeff, you saw this in college. Um, 
what made you what made you watch the movie for the first time? Was it just one you had some friends around, you picked that one, or it was on TV? I or I don't know why we decided to watch it. Um, I don't know if it was on the college movie channel that we had. Okay. Uh, at, at my college, they had uh, there was one channel that they would get the rights to show all sorts of movies. It was a closed circuit channel just for on campus. And uh, so I don't know if it was on that or, or if I just picked it up one weekend. I don't know why I decided to watch it. I had always heard of it and I was like, oh, all right. Put it on. I was like, oh, yeah, let's go shoot some stick. Oh, you know what? I I was searching for, and I just found the uh, the article that I wrote back in. I don't even know what it was, like maybe two thousand. Um, the guy's name was Scott Lee. Um, yeah, it says here, um, Lee is was an advanced instructor certified by the Billiards Congress of America and a renowned trick shot artist. He learned billiards and pool under instruction of billiard virtuoso Jack White. Uh, Lee became White's protege, and when White retired in 1995, Lee carried on the legacy. He's been performing on White's former tour ever since. Um, and just, he he did this, like, tutoring thing for students to, like, show them some of, you know, how you would do this and how you do these trick shots. And, and um, you know, he, he even says kind of the, some of the same stuff that Paul Newman's character says in here. I I have him quoted in this article as saying, um, he says that immediately after college, he began, he began to play pool as a professional, um, and he played for about 30 years before he quit to start teaching the game. And he said, I did that many years and did very well, but it's the life of a pro gambler. I finally got burned out being around all those people who had to bet on everything and who were addicted to the, to the action of betting. So, And that was something I kind of thought was interesting about this movie is almost more than being a movie about pool, it's a movie about gambling. Mm-hmm. And that that's the kind of, you know, I, we have this in here as a, as a sports movie and, and it is a sports movie, but at the same time, it's also almost more of an addiction movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a theme that runs from, I, I, like I said, I got to go back and watch the hustler. Cause now I'm kind of interested to see how his character starts off. To me, that might be one of the more interesting parts is he's playing a character 25 years after he first played him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I would be curious to now go back and see the hustler and, and kind of see what his character was like in that one and see how it's changed over the course of 25 years. Right. So, so what'd you think of this one? So if this was, so Jeff, you watched it in college, but this was the first time for, for Pat and I to watch it. Um, what did you think? What did you like about this movie? We'll start with likes first. Go for it. I, I, I like Paul Newman. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think he was great. In this movie, I think, I mean, I, I think he was great in just about everything he did. Um, so I, I really liked his character. I really liked when you related against um, his prior work. You know, it's it, it's interesting seeing the character. You know, this type of character again, and uh, you know, just st- still methodical. Yeah, you know, just you don't get a sense of really how many layers he's thinking through um, until the very end of the movie when you find out that he was just, you know, playing Tom Cruise all along. Um, 
but no, I for me, I it's 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 all about Paul Newman in this movie. I mm. feel like the other characters were kind of just flat and almost generic. Yeah, I, I boy, I agree with you, Jeff. Paul Newman was pretty awesome to watch on screen. Um, I didn't. Uh, I got to be honest. When uh, Ebert, the review you read at the top, of the thing with uh, Ebert, that yeah. kind of summed it up for me. I expected more. The movie kind of stayed a little flat for me. Um, you know, I liked his rapid. I like Scorsese's, you know, rapid cut shots and and all that. I mean, I thought there was, you know, what they showed of the pool world was very cool. Um, whether that's fictionalized or not, I don't know. But it was just fun watching all these guys play uh, pool. But the movie didn't really kind of for my, it didn't really build, have a climax and a release or any of that kind of stuff. It was just kind of plotted along and and you know you kind of knew where it was going and then it got there and the credits rolled yeah. you know yeah i'm mean, it's just and i think a lot of it just has to do with tom cruise is just not believable in this movie yeah i'm i'm going to agree with you guys i think paul newman was my favorite thing about the movie um i i did like watching the you know the when they were doing the the cons on the different people you know, I, I like those parts that that was kind of fun. I probably, if, although here, here's the deal. I, I do have to, I, ha- I kind of have to balance out how much I liked a, a very small character and a small part in this movie versus Paul Newman. And I, in watching this character, I was like, now I want to see a movie with that character. Uh, Forrest Whitaker's Amos. Mm-hmm. When he's playing, when he's the one that kind of, that tricks Paul Newman and and I still can't tell if he really tricked him or if that was all part of a plan to you know to get at uh Vincent to get at Tom Cruise's character but that whole thing where Forrest Whitaker is playing his thing and he's acting like you know it's all just luck and and you know he's he's playing it seems like he's playing Paul Newman perfectly um I loved I loved that scene and I thought that was a great character and I remember sitting there thinking I would be more interested in following a movie with Forrest Whitaker as the pool playing character than I would be Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is fine. You know, as, as the young impulsive kid, I thought he did an okay job. I thought he did a fine job. You know, he's not, I've never thought of him as being one of the greatest actors that's ever lived. Um, but he did a fine job with it. Um, but yeah, I, Forrest Whitaker, even though he was in there for a very small amount of time, like I, I'm more interested to see more of his character than I am Tom Cruise's character. And I think I was more interested to see more from uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio's character than I was Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Can I let me? Can I get clarified on it? Did I mean was the ending that Paul Newman had the whole thing figured out, or? is it kind of left up in the air? Because the way I saw it was, you know, he thought he beat the kids straight up and then it was like, ah, rats, the kid kind of was playing. And then, you know, and then I was like trying to figure out, okay, did, you know, did he, at the end, did he realize that the kid was playing him and kind of did, I, I don't know. Or is that, is there a definite or is that all up in the air? I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's intentionally left that way. So it's up in the air. Okay. 
And that would, if, if we were going to start talking about things we didn't like, I'll list the ending as the first thing I didn't like. Okay. And I don't know, maybe it was because we, we watched this um, the other night, actually it was last night, and um, Sharon and I have been watching The Good Wife ever since it first started, what was it, seven years ago, the the show with, um, oh gosh, I'm going to blank out on her name right now. Yes, her name. Um, she was in ER. Yeah, yeah, that's going to make me mad now. Um, but we've been watching The Good Wife. And that ended last night, and then we okay. needed to. We had we had started the Color of Money um, a night before, and then we needed to finish it. So we finished it after watching The Good Wife. Well, Juliana Margulies. Yes, thank you, Juliana Margulies. Um, so we watched The Good Wife, and I don't know if you guys watch it at all, or if you intend to watch it, but the way that and it was the series finale, so it was the very last episode ever. The way that one ended was almost similar to the way the Color of Money ended. It, it, so we watched two things in the same night where I'm sitting there going, what? Yeah. That's how you're going to end it. You, well, we might as well just go watch the last episode of The Sopranos while we're at it. Right. Because that's kind of how I felt. It's like, okay, that, I don't know. It just seemed, I, I, I wanted more. I guess I wanted more from it. And that was something, I didn't read that part of his review, but um, I think Ebert complained about the same thing. He's like, at the ending, I, he said, I didn't like the ending at all. Like I wanted more from the ending than just that quick, you know, boom, here it is. It's over. Yeah. I just, I thought the whole movie just kind of went along on a course and then just stayed there. It didn't, it didn't build to a climax. It didn't drop out. I mean, even the scene that was supposed to be the climax didn't have the emotional hit. And I started wondering like maybe if they had a little bit more of a, of a, of the soundtrack that would help. I mean, I really, I mean, I remember some songs in there, but I thought the music was great. What was that? I thought the music was great. Okay. I don't remember the music. Like it didn't. And I just remember there were a lot of scenes where it just, they just kind of laid flat. So I found myself saying maybe if there was more music in some, maybe that would have helped. But I, so you as, you as the band director would say that guy was a tad flat. Yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to say that again. No. This movie wasn't so sharp. <laughs> hey, there we go. There we go. I felt like it was in a lot of trouble. Yeah, all right. No, I, I feel like somebody may have to stick up for it, but. What was that? I said, I feel like somebody may have to stick up for it, but that's not my cue. <laughs> well, Welcome to the 30-something... Welcome to the 30-something pun podcast. Trying to pass the baton to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Tooting their own horn and everything. Yeah, there's there's another thing I can I can throw in there, but I'm not going to. It's just, it's, it's right there. It's right there waiting for you. Yeah. All right, so is that, so, so we're saying characters other than Paul Newman are, are kind of where this fell a little flat for us? Uh, you know, I didn't quite get the, I didn't quite have the negative reaction to uh, Tom Cruise that uh, you guys are talking about, but am I echoing? Mm-mm, no. Oh. Yeah, you are. Oh, are you? Okay. Should I pause to adjust or should I just keep trying? Let me see if I can mute you for a second. 
Okay, now say something. Okay, cool. So what I was saying, hopefully we can edit that part out or whatever, but I didn't have the negative reaction to Tom Cruise that that you guys were talking about. I mean, it was kind of like, you know, I liked watching Paul Newman a little bit more, but Tom Cruise was, you know, he was kind of funny. When he was doing all the, like, Bruce Lee with the pool cue stuff, that was just kind of like, I don't know, you know, what that was. It was It cracked me up. My thing was just... I just needed a little bit more ebb and flow of the movie. It just kind of, it, it never, and I don't know if it's the writing or the story or the, the presentation, it just never hit like an emotional high point and for me. It just kind of, like Ebert said, the movie went along on a course that I could predict and then it ended. And, you know, pains me to say because it's Martin Scorsese, but, you know, I expected something a little bit different. Yeah. Something um, good. Let me let me get you thinking about this now because it'll be probably my last question I'm going to ask you here in a few minutes before we wrap up. Um, be thinking now, what is, I'm going to ask you guys, what is one of your favorite Martin Scorsese movies? So if you haven't, if you haven't thought about that lately, um, oh, start thinking yes. about it now and I'm going to, I'm going to ask the you in a few minutes. Yes. Your answer is yes? Yes. <laughs> I really like yes. Okay. That is I agree with Pat. Best one ever. So what are some, uh, do you have any favorite quotes or scenes from this movie? Um, I will say that I think, like I said already, I think the the scene with Amos and when he beats uh, Fast Eddie during that game, when, when Fast Eddie gets taken and that whole okay. scene where he's kind of, he's getting upset, that I like that part. Um, I would say uh, it was, I, I did like kind of the tournament at the end. Uh, when they were going through that, I did like the part where uh, Fast Eddie, as he walks through the crowd, he kind of he's he's starting to walk towards the exit, and then he kind of stops for a minute, goes out that side entrance, and just kind of does a little fist bump, and then goes back in and and walks out again. Yeah. But I was, those are those are probably my first. Uh, those are probably my two uh, favorite scenes. Um, character wise, characters interacting with each other. For. Uh, for Eddie and for Vincent to to interact with each other, those were fine, but I actually enjoyed the interactions more between um, Eddie and Carmen, uh, Mary Elizabeth, Master Antonio's character. I kind of liked that. That to me was more interesting than the kind of like the Master Apprentice thing going on with the with Eddie and Vincent. Okay, but I'll see that. I'll, I'll say that scene with Amos um, and that little fist bump he he does when he wins that one match at the tournament. Those are probably my my two favorite parts there. Um, I have a quote here, one yeah. of Eddie's lines. You got to have two things to win. You got to have brains and you got to have balls. Now, you got too much of one and not enough of the other. That's pretty cool. Great quote. I, um, I did like, I like the- this where they're getting into the car and he says, uh, and you know they're getting in the car, and she like leans against the car or whatever, and he's like, "Whoa, what are you, what, what are you doing to the car? Hey, do you have metal on that jacket?" And he just gives her a look like, "What, what are you doing to the car?" And he's just, I thought that was a pretty funny scene. I did like one of the other parts where they were talking about uh, talking about kind of his past and and how they're doing, and Eddie says, "I can always go back to whiskey. It's been very good to me. I mean, you're sitting in it, and I'm wearing it." <laughs> That's funny. You smell that? What? Smoke? No. Money.
Cool. All right. So what is so let's let's pull the uh, the Martin Scorsese one. What is your favorite Martin Scorsese movie? That's such a tough question. I think initially I'd probably jump to Goodfellas. Okay. But I mean, there there are a number of his movies that I really like. Um, Aviator was really good. Departed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've still never uh, seen Aviator. I gotta I gotta see that one. Oh. Shutter Island. Hugo was great. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. I'm going through a list of all his movies right now. Trying not to say each and every one that's on this list. Right. Yeah. Cape I, Fear. Oh yeah. I remember um, the first time I ever saw Taxi Driver was at U of I. They were doing a um, like a, 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 oh. a classic film festival, and I was like, oh, I, and I was in a film class at the time, and I'm like, oh, I have never seen Taxi Driver. They're showing it. It's like three dollars for a ticket. I got to go see this. Um, so I went to go see Taxi Taxi Driver in the theater, and that I, that was a good one. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Raging Bull. Raging Bull. I you know what? Actually one of my favorite ones, and at the time it wasn't my favorite. Um, you know, purely for I guess purely for religious reasons. Um, The Last Temptation of Christ. As much as I as much as a, a young man watching that movie, uh who who does have some religious beliefs, the first time I watched that, I'm like, I, I hate this movie. I can't stand this movie. This movie is so sacrilegious. Is it? But I watched it a couple of other times after that. I mean, you know what? In terms of it being a movie, I love the characters. I, this is a great movie. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those that I, I had to watch it a couple of times. And it kind of, that was one of those first times that I was like, you know what? Maybe the subject matter is something that I personally don't agree with. Mm-hmm. But I can separate that out from whether or not this is a good movie. Okay. So that probably is, and and just the fact that David Bowie plays Pontius Pilate, that 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 wins a lot of points for me. I'm looking at some of his movies, and there's actually a few of these that I have not seen. I will I will go ahead and admit that I have not seen from beginning to end. I have not seen Raging Bull. I have seen scenes of it, but I have never seen it from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casino, Casino is another good one. Gangs of New York. I remember watching that one time, but I don't know that I remember too much of the movie itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was his. Yeah. Yeah, and The Aviator, I've always wanted to see, but I just never have, I haven't watched that. Departed, I did watch. That was a good one. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, never did. Did you guys see that one? That just came out a couple years ago. I never saw it, no. Okay. You guys haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street? No. No. It's, it's It's worth a watch. It's, I mean, it it paints a pretty interesting picture of this guy, and then you you got to do the fact versus fiction and find out what you see in that movie. You think it's like, dude, this is totally off the top, no way, and then you read the fact, and it's like, oh, okay, the movie t- toned it down a little bit. Okay, <laughs> yeah, no, okay, I I that was that was one of those times of the the truth is stranger than fiction kind of thing. Yeah, I think that that's pretty accurate. I would not recommend watching that with your spouses at all, depending on your spouse's, um, you know, what your wives think about movie that's are you know a little bit. Uh, it's, it's, I've, it's, I've, it's. I've heard that. I've heard that that there there maybe are uh, some interesting scenes in it. 
Oh yeah, okay. yeah. The whole thing. It's worth a watch though, man, because it's 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 quite a show. Okay. All right. Uh, well, do we have any yeah, final? I, yeah. Well, I, 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 just, I, I think I've got to go. Just Goodfellas is my favorite okay. Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine's. I think mine's Departed, followed closely by Gangs of New York and Aviator. I think those two would be tied for second. Although Hugo was really a gorgeous movie. That was yeah, good. It was. Yeah, we watched that. Where did we watch that? I feel like it was at the... I want to say it was like at the airport or something. We were we were waiting for a flight that was getting delayed and had the kids with us. And I want to say we watched it on my iPad, but... Is that the one where the kid's in the clock? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, the book for that was good too. I actually read the yeah, book, book, so I, I guess I, I guess this book and this movie are both when I'm waiting somewhere. The book I read when I was waiting for jury duty, and the movie I think we watched when we were waiting for a, a delayed flight. Okay. So it's, I used to teach the book when I was uh, at the elementary building. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Yeah, this was cool. for I think when we started, it was one of the first years we started the summer reading program at the middle school. And this was, I think it was on the list for one of the seventh grade books the very first year. Okay. Um, you know, because we were, we had some books that we tried to pick books that were a little more challenging, or if we had some students that, you know, maybe weren't great readers or English was not their first language, we tried to pick some books that, um, you know, might be, might be a little bit, uh, a little bit easier or have the visuals to go along with it. And that's book, that book has got some great visuals too, the illustrations and, um, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of help out if, if your reading is not quite as strong as it could be. Um, and yeah, I think that's why I was reading it. I think I had a stack of books that I had to read and that was one of them. And I remember that one being the only one I remember anything about. Okay. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts on the color of money other than it being green and that Paul Newman is the best thing in it? No, I mean, it's, it, you know, it falls into that category of, of, uh, like you were saying with the uh, with card movies, Rounders, mm -hmm. uh, Maverick, you know, just it, you get that sense like, oh, I want to go out and do that thing that they're doing. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes that thing and just gives it a certain element of of cool and charisma that uh, you know it's hard to shake off. I just looked over, I uh, off my or on my movie shelf over here and. I forgot I had a copy of Pool Hall Junkies. Oh, yeah. Which is, you know, in the same realm of, you know, just that whole underclass of hustlers that make their living off of, uh, of being you know, dynamite at, at a specific, uh, specific sport like that. Right. So I, I, I like that. I, you know, I, I, I like the idea of that. I just don't think that color of money was executed well. Yeah. I agree. Cool. All righty. Well, we are this, like we said uh, at the onset here, this is the last of our sports movies. So next month uh, we are moving on into our comedy movies and we are going to kick it off next week with police Academy three. Uh, then we're going to follow it up very soon after that with citizens on patrol. Yep. Nice. Uh, no, no, no. Um, I think three is, is it back in training? Yeah. Now that you said that, I gotta, 
I gotta look it up. Which one is it? I think, uh, back I think three is back in training and four is I think four is citizens on patrol. Mm, yes, four is citizens on patrol. So yeah, three is back in training, four is citizens on patrol. Um and I it's been a really long time since I've seen this one, so I'm kind of curious to see this one again. Um Howard the Duck coming up after that. I have never watched that one from beginning to end. I think there's a lot of good reasons for that. Um then one of my favorite movies ever from the 80s uh, coming up towards the end of June, Crocodile Dundee. And then mm-hmm. we're going to finish off June with The Money Pit. So if you get... I dressed as Crocodile Dundee for Halloween once. When did I you really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Did you carry around a knife? No, I wasn't allowed to do that, but I carried around a small alligator. Oh, okay. Well, that works too. Did you I'm speak with Did you speak with an Australian accent? Alligator. Did you try an Australian accent all day? No, I, I wasn't that into it. Oh, okay. Oh, well, maybe I did until I got bullied out of it. Oh, okay. Was this last year? Ooh. Uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Okay. All right. I'm just trying to get a sense of the, like this is this being bullied like as like a six year old or is this being bullied as you know like a 36 year old? 36 year old. Okay. I I feel you. I know, I know, I know the pain. The struggle is real. All right. Girl. There's, there's a lot of struggles that they get pretty real. Um, ooh, that would be a whole good, other podcast. That, uh, that would be a great movie podcast. You could spell it R E E L. The struggle is real. Oh, done. Talk about just, movies that struggled to be good. Yes, they could just be all movies that are bad. Like the color of money. That would be a depressing podcast. Well, the first one, I know Pat could do Pearl Harbor. Yep. Uh, probably my first one would be The Fifth Element. Okay. Steaming pile of, yeah. That's what The Fifth Element is. I'll tell you what The Fifth Element is. Yeah, but at least The Fifth Element was more historically accurate than Pearl Harbor was. You got to give it that. Well, that might be true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, after I went after I saw the fifth element in theaters, if I had my way, Chris Tucker would not have been alive to make it to rush hour. We'll put it that way. So yeah, not my favorite movie ever at all. All righty. So uh as we said, next time around, if you join us back next week, uh, and that'll be in the month of June, we're gonna be talking Police Academy Three. Um, if you if you've had the chance to go watch Captain America, you can go back and check last week's episode in which we talked about Captain America Civil War. That was a great discussion, too. It was awesome. Amazing. Almost yeah. as good as the movie itself. Although I feel like I'm, I'm trying to decide if I'm on Team Jeff uh, or Team Pat. I'm on Team Aunt May. Oh, well, yeah, we know that. Jeff doesn't even know because he hasn't seen it yet, but. Yeah, well. I thought this took place after the fact of the recording. Well, he probably will have seen it by then. That's right. It's it's the whole time travel thing. You know, it's the it's the Lone Pine versus the Twin Pine Mall. That's right. It's was the, that line out of Austin Powers? Yes, you're you know something something something. We prefer that you just don't question that. Right. We're just gonna have to remember to go back in time and make sure we leave the keys here. And then yes, once right. we do, yeah. Dude, remember a garbage can. <laughs> Wild stallions rule. That's right. Billy. You're dealing with the oddities of time travel with the greatest of ease. (laughs) 
That is an outstanding movie. That is an what outstanding year did movie. that come out? We'll get I'm there. Yeah, what year? Yeah, I know. I'm right. When do we get to talk about this? I know. I, you know what we are getting to talk about next year? Princess Bride. Oh yeah. That was '87. That's cool. What is it, Jeff? Survey says. '89. Ooh, oh, okay. the same so year as Batman. Uh, Batman. Yeah, I was just gonna say if it's mm. that, it's Batman. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hold on to your butts because we got a few more years until we get to that one. But that'll be fun. That's right, man. All right. Well, on that note, um, we will go ahead and sign off for now. But again, join us back here next week. We'll be talking about Police Academy 3 back in training. Uh, and if you want to catch us in the meantime, you can head over to 30podcast.com. You can get us uh, at 30podcast on Twitter. We are facebook.com slash 30podcast. Uh, we've got Instagram. We are on Stitcher. We're on Satchel. We're on Google Play. We are on iTunes. You can listen to us on 30podcast.com. We did decide a few weeks ago that if you want to pay us a whole bunch of money or feed us, we could show up at your house and just talk movies. Um, you know, unless you, we do have some listeners that live in Russia, so airfare might have to be involved too. Um, and, and some classes on Russian. Um, Cause I don't that know. Would help. That would kind of help. I mean, unless you speak English, we don't necessarily speak Russian. So, but you know what? I figure if we can change and you can change, then everybody can change. Oh, man. All right. Well, okay. Time to say goodnight, John. Good night, John. All right. We will see you all next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.